let's just jump into it. Um, it's twelve seventeen. How does an MC like yourself start the day? Is is do you start the day thinking about raps? You you know, because you're you're you are on the side of you know the lyrics and you know being heavy with wordplay and things like that. I think that's what people know you for. So how do you start your day as an MC? What's the first thing as the MC Skyzu does in his day? Yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, I wake up. I thank God for being able to wake up. Um, I walk my dog. Uh, I make coffee on the carry, and I watch first tape. <laughs> That's pretty much the first hour, first hour or two of every day. Thank God for waking up, walk my dog, make coffee on the carry, watch first tape. Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, religiously. When, I mean, like every day. Um, huh. When does the when do the bars start coming? Because a guy like you with these with the raps <laughs> that you, when do you start thinking about the bars? You know what, man? All day it's kind of sporadic. I don't purposely say let me let me think about making some music or let me think about writing some some rhymes or some lines. I'll be watching TV, man, and, and get inspired. You know, I, I I feel like everything that I watch or everything that I listen to, or everything I'm around, can somehow inspire a line or a concept or an idea. You know, it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like I'll um, I'll be watching TV, man, and they'll say something on ESPN or they'll say something on the news or whatever it is, and boom, that's an idea, or boom, that's a line. You know what I mean? It may become a line that's people's favorite line six months from now when I put it on a record and put it out. But it's something that came to me in these years watching TV and then, oh, snap, that commercial, they did such and such. Let me take that and flip and something, something, something like something, something, boom. Now that's a line that everybody on Rap Genius trying to break down and annotate, you know? So it, it, it's kind of random, but I don't, I don't wake up and say, well, let me just start writing some lines, you know? When it comes to the music, I make music when there's a project at hand or when I have to and, and things like that, you know? Uh, I believe there's two types of MCs. There's the Tupac MC and the Biggie MC. And the Tupac MC is the MC who records every day, writes and records every single day, no matter what. They write, they record, something's getting done, whether they're working on a project or not, every day they're making music. So, God forbid, the day that they pass, there's 30 albums still waiting in, in the chamber, you know? And mm -hmm. it is the big EMC where he only records when there's a project at hand. You know, if he's working on an album or a mixtape or a record for somebody, then he's in the studio writing and recording. And if not, he's not in the studio writing and recording songs just because. So, God forbid, when that person passes, there isn't that much posthumous music left behind. I'm more of the big EMC, you know? Um, and I don't think there's a right or wrong either way, but I'm more of the big EMC because for me, I'm just about inspiration. So if I'm working on a project, I'm in the studio, hard body, you know, eight, okay. 10, 12 hours, whatever it is. You see, not, um, not records. Um, huh? You referenced Biggie. Um, and what part, you know, you're a Brooklyn, a Brooklyn guy. What, what area specifically in Brooklyn? Okay, so you know, talking about your process, you know, you say you guys go through your day and the lyrics. Are you are you one of the um, the MCs that no longer uses uh, pen and pad, or you are you um, able to keep these these rhymes that you create 
you know, wherever you're creating them, however, whenever it's time, are you able to create them, you know, like that, that process that Biggie and Jay-Z um, have have shared and spoke about often about just being able to retain the words and retain the flow and get to the studio and go. Is that something right, that you do? Pretty much writing in your head, yeah. That's, um, for me, um, huh? that's amazing. Is, is, is that something you do? No, no, no. I, I, I was just saying, I, I, that, that, I think that's what you were trying to explain, so I was just jumping in with you. Um, yeah, no, I um, I write everything down, but I haven't written on paper in, oh, man, maybe maybe seven years, man. I write everything in my phone, you know? It's just creature of habit, you know, modern technology, being able to run around. You know, you can be here, you can be there, you can be anywhere, just write. You don't have to have a piece of paper and a pen, or you can be at somebody else's studio and, and knock something out real quick. And, you know, you don't have to worry about losing pieces of paper and all that type of stuff, or not having the book and all that. So, you know, I, I write everything down. I'm not the, you know, write it in my head and then remember all these lines and verses and then go to the studio. You know, I write it all down, but I write it in my phone, though. I write it in my phone. Okay, so let's take it back. Let's take it back to your your earliest point. When when did you start rapping? And do you still have that rap book? Do you still have that rap book? Nah, people always ask, man. People always ask. I don't. I was nine years old, so that was a long time ago. So um, yeah, I I wish I did, but I don't. I have rhyme books from like I think my earliest rhyme books. I still have them from college. I don't even have my high school ones, but from college. I've got a lot of rhyme books in college. They're like my mother's storage and all that. Like I, I've got rhyme books from college. Do you? Um, what was your What was your earliest MC name? Oh, I was always Skazoo. Really? One. I was always Skazoo. Yeah, because the way I got my name, you know, my my real name is Skyler, uh -huh. K Y L E R. And um, when I was born in the eighties, there was a disco group named Sky, and it was from Brooklyn. There was a big disco group, like Studio 54 and all that. And they had big records on the radio as far as the disco scene. And they had a song called Sky Zoo. And it was a big song in, in the early and mid-80s. And when I was an infant, you know, maybe two, three years old or whatever, or toddler rather, um, my family used to call me that as a nickname. And it just stuck, you know, because the sky, the group being sky, sky being Skyler, Sky Zoo, it just stuck. And so I was always that in my house. You know, as a nickname. So when I rhyming, I just ran with that because I was like, "Well, nobody's gonna have it." You know what I mean? No. Who I am, regardless of if I'm rapping or not. So I was always that. Yeah. Um, when I, I I grew up with graffiti head as well. So when I did rap, um, when, when I was tagging trains and stuff, I would tag Spade. So Spade, I started doing graffiti when I was like 11, 12. So Spade was my graffiti name. But if you know the graffiti scene, especially in New York. Spade was like one of the most popular names. Exactly. Like having a rap name that day as young, whatever. You know what I mean? It was like, all right, take a number. You know what I mean? So I would tag Spade on like trains and, you know, bathrooms and buildings and all that. And I would see a million Spade. You know what I mean? And if you know graffiti, you bust people out or whatever. So I'd bust somebody out and tag Spade. But then it was just too many Spades. So I started doing Skyview when I would tag graffiti as well. So. Uh, anybody who's ever gotten an autograph from me when they when I tag the CD, they're always like, "Oh, you do graffiti?" Because they can tell yeah. from my handwriting. They're like, "Oh, you do graffiti?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know what I mean." Like I grew up a graphic as well. So um, it's a nice, a nice uh, amount of hip hop 
um, artists right now. Like, I don't know if a lot of people know about Fat Joe and his his background with graffiti. Um, KRS One clearly, you know, just KRS One is a tag, and even um, DJ K Slay. You know, he's in he's in style yeah, world. K Slay is like a legend with it. People don't know K Slay is like a mega legend. Yeah, and all right, do you um? So, so you have like you have a more of the traditional background for hip hop. I think you know because I'm a, I'm a graffiti a graffiti head a, a DJ. You know, I, I produced I've, I've rapped before. Like, so I have a a full understanding of the 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 elements and what the elements mean to um, to the core. And and you know you know if, if if most people don't know you know down by law. Like, if you down if you're down by law, you kind of know some things that the rest of the world won't understand or even look at. So when you when you come from this background, how how does it feel when you see um, and being so lyrical? How does it feel when you when you see the industry push things that one don't have a strong uh, foundation in the elements and you're kind of like uh, that's you know that's kind of going against what the 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 core principle of the culture is. How do you feel about that? Well, for me, um, I, I'm I'm big on constant elevation, so I feel like you know the the older hip hop gets the more hip-hop grows, and it's the biggest genre, cultural genre on the planet. There's nothing bigger than hip-hop. So I think the, the bigger that it gets and, and the further we get in the age of hip-hop, you're going to lose some of those traits, right? Because it's getting older, it's changing, and there's elevation, and there's different generations coming in and putting their twists and things on it. So you're going to lose some of that. I don't think there's anything you can do about it, but I think the foundation is always going to be there because it's like a building, no matter how high up you make this building, no matter how many, you know, floors or whatever you add to this building, the foundation, the first is what it is. So I think you're always going to have that. Um, so it doesn't really bother me, especially as far as the elements, because I think the elements are always going to be involved one way or another. You know, it may not be as prevalent every single day, you know, in your face, but it's always going to be there one way or another. So it doesn't really bother me to that extent. I think the music is what, you know, may bother me as anything, more than anything else, just being somebody who's lyrical, being somebody who takes pride in what they say and how they say it and what they write and wanting to leave a lasting impression for the fans who deserve the music, you know. So uh, for me, I think it's, it's a little bit more about that. But I'm not the grumpy MC man. I'm not the MC who's like, oh, I'm supposed to be like this and the radio's trash. Like, I'm not that guy, man, because I think there's a time and place for everything. You know, there's records that, that artists make that are supposed to help you get through your day and are supposed to help you, you know, your day-to-day and records that you listen to on the drive home from work or running around. And then there's records that you listen to in the club, in the strip club. Like, there's records for everything. You know, music isn't supposed to be one way, you know, and I think if you talked about playing quote-unquote real hip-hop in the strip club, I don't want to hear quote-unquote real hip-hop in the strip club. I want to hear hip-hop that's going to make the mood be even more exciting and enticing than it already is, you know? But then when I'm going through things in life or we talking about listening to some real, that's when I want to hear that. And I don't want to hear what's going on in the strip So I think there's a time and place to everything as far as the music. It just has to be dope. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, man. It just has to be dope. It can be whatever's quote-unquote popular. It can be underground, whatever it is. It just got to be dope because I think people get the misconception that all underground or quote-unquote real hip-hop is great. 
trash in the underground too. There's a lot of quote unquote real hip hop that's trash. You know what I mean? That's like, yo, I don't care how many samples this guy used and how old school his drum break is from James Brown or whatever. He's trash. You know what I mean? I think that's you know a misconception that people you know don't like to uh, to realize. You know, so there's gonna be dope and there's gonna be trash no matter what side of the fence we're talking about. So as long as the music is dope, I'm cool. No, I mean, as long as it's dope, you know? Okay. Um, I think where we are at a point where, you know, people have, have ran with that, when will New York get it back? And I think if, we, if we're if we looking at the charts, um, New York is kind of making a move, and I don't know if people understand it the way it's happening. Fetty Wap, uh, being from New Jersey, um, had, a very, had a very major year in 2015, and so far right now, for rap music, the biggest record on the charts um, is Panda by Designer, um, a young kid from Brooklyn. Um, how, how, does, how do you think that the rest of this, um, this push that, and you know, Joey Badass, um, the Flatbush Zombies, uh, yourself, uh, you know, and we just say, we'll just put it all in the East Coast, uh, West Side Gun, uh, Conway, that whole Griselda, like this new this new push that the uh, that the East Coast and you know speak for New York is having. Like, what do you think this is going? To, how, how this is going to affect uh, the industry? Um, you know, I think just to go with the first part that you mentioned, I think the reason why people say, "Oh, New York hasn't come back as far as hip hop," even though all of the artists and songs that you named are reality. I think, uh, well, let's take the ones you named as far as Fetty, as far as, you know, designer and all that stuff. I think to the fans, they don't necessarily feel that's a representation of New York. And that's not me saying I feel that way. I'm saying that's how the general public feels as far as New York hip-hop fans who voice that opinion. The ones who say, yo, man, New York ain't come back to New York. Because they're talking about the sound. So it can be all those types of records on the radio all day. They could be from Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, Jersey, wherever. I think the the frustration comes in with is where they feel like, yo, yeah, these guys are from our city, they from up the block, they from around the corner, they from wherever, but they don't sound like they from up the block around the corner. They don't sound like that, you know? They sound like they from Atlanta. They sound like they from LA. They sound like they from Chicago. And I think that's where the frustration is. So if we're talking in a literal sense, yeah, New York is on the charts for sure, but if we're talking in, you know, what the city sounds like, you know, I think that's where people have an issue at. And, you know, there are records like All the Way Up. All the Way Up is a New York record, through and through. Now, it's ironic, the producer, I think, is from Miami, but uh, All the Way Up is a New York record, 1,000%. From the beat to the hook to the way Joe and Remy approached it, it's a New York record, you know? So I don't think people have a problem with that. And they shouldn't. It's an amazing record. I mean, Joe comes out swinging every time and, and, and knocks him down, you know? Uh, but I think with some of the other records, some of them are dope, some of them are hand, but I think the problem people have on the outside looking in is that they feel like they don't represent what New York should sound like or what they know New York should sound like. But again, it's about constant elevation, you know? Because you mentioned me, you mentioned West Side Gun, you mentioned artists like that who are making New York music. You know, you listen to West Side Gun's music, that's New York, that's a New York sound. You know, you listen to my music, that's a New York sound. So. Are we on radio every day? We're not, you know, and that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different hour of your time, you know. But, um, you know, I, I think as long as the music is dope, man, as long as the artists who are making the music,
and it's not about being old school. It's not about being, you know, uh, stuck on that. But it's about making sure whatever you make, just know it's going to last. Especially in this age. You know, we live in an internet age, man. You could have made records in the 80s that disappeared. You know, you could have touched up just 100 copies and it disappeared and no one knows it exists. You know, but we live in the internet. All this is going to last forever. So you put out a record today, 50 years, 60 years, people will remember it. Remember that, that record you made? You know what I mean? Or remember that great record you made? You know, it will last forever, man. And I think we got to be cognizant of that. You, um... You made a record this year, um, music for my friends. Explain that. Explain that uh, that title, because I know what I took it as. Um, but tell tell the world what what that is about. Well, it had two meanings. You know, music for my friends was uh, in a literal sense where the music was literally about my friends and I. It was about the guys I grew up with. If you look at the cover, those are all my friends, and you can see my friends and see that they look just like that. Those are just little kid versions of them. You know what I mean? So, you know, uh, the music was literally about my friends. So all of those situations, you know, my man Pierre with joining the blocks, that like all those things happened. You know what I mean? Like oh, the music, excuse me, the music was literal, as literal as it can be. It was like, yeah, these are the things that happened. Also, when my friends heard it, they loved it. They were like, yeah, I mean, and, and I'm blessed where they do. They love all my music and they support my friends and my biggest fans, but. And they heard it, they was like, yo, yeah, remember such and such, remember when this happened, and that, like, you know, the music was very literal in that sense, but also, I felt like in making that music, the second meaning behind the title was, I felt like making that music, if you're a fan, and you've been a fan for this long, then you're no longer a fan, you're a friend, because we one in the same, we're on the same accord, you relate, whether you live in New York, whether you live in LA, DC, whether you live in London, whether you live in South Africa, whether you live in Australia, wherever it is, if you're a fan and you've been rocking for this long, it's because you relate and you understand the music. So even if you didn't grow up in Brooklyn, Queens, and all that up here on my side, you can still relate to the stories in your own sense. You went through similar things. You had friends growing up, whatever it may be. So it was really just about making music and telling these stories. I always talk about my life, my childhood, the way I grew up, you know, the ambitions and the dreams and goals, that's always been the basis and the ground floor of my music. But with, with music for my friends, I went even deeper. I was like, right, let's, let's go super literal, you know? Like, let's, let's really talk about everything that was going on in 95. And the the music was about making... The music is a kind of an overlooking broadscape of 1995 when I was 13 years old, the things that were going on. And feel like, when you're 13, 14, I feel like that age range is when you transition from childhood to adulthood, but you don't even realize it. And it's a weird rock and a hard place that you're caught between. Because on one hand, you know, you're you're becoming an adult. Your voice is changing, your body's changing, you're interested in the opposite sex. But then on the other hand, you still have a curfew. And you still write a Christmas list for your parents. And you still got to ask your parents for everything. So you're caught in this weird world. And whatever's around you, whatever you see, is going to inspire you and influence you for the rest of your life. So if you're around a bunch of dirt, you might wind up being in the dirt later. You might wind up being somebody who can get their hands dirty and get caught up in some things that they may not deserve and that may not be their fault. And if you're around another side of life that shows you that there's more than just what you see out your window, then you might be able to aspire and do other things and be blessed in that regard. So it's all of those things that is what the album is about. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the track list right now. <clears throat> You have you have the feet you have a bunch of features that um 
you probably people won't know by name. Um, you have three that clearly four that I know by name, and one that I that I know personally, uh, Christian Gray, and I'm, I'm going to speak about him uh, first because he has roots here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, how did that happen? Right. I met Christian through uh, through Ill Mind. Uh, we were working on some stuff. It was a while ago. Ill Mind, Ill Mind and I was working on something in 2014. I, I don't think I had even started music for my students yet. And we were driving around working on some music for some other people. And, and we were driving in some session. And he played, uh, I think the album was called School of Roses or Rose School, something like that. And um, when he, he played it, and I was like, yo, who is this? You know what I mean? I was like, yo, who is that? And I think that's the title of the album. Pardon me if you will. I was like, yo, who's this? And he was like, yo, this kid, Kristen Gray, he's crazy. And we started listening, and I think I hit him on Twitter and DM'd him, and we started building it. We just got real cool. And uh, when I was working on the album, I guess a year later or whatever, when I started working on my friends, I had this record playing favorites, and I was like, yo, man, I, I need a male singer on here, and I need somebody with a certain type of voice. And I started thinking of people, and one of the first people I thought of was Kristen. And I hit him up, and, and he was like, yeah, he was like, definitely, you know, I'm, I'm totally with it. And then I did the record on his album, you know, we did the Conor McDee's album, uh, record on his album, rather. And, um, you know, that, that's the homie, man. I talk to him all the time. Like, we talk about the playoffs and all that. I mean, like, that's the homie. Anytime he's in New York, we get up, I come out on stage with him or whatever it is. And, you know, it's all love. So that's the homie for sure. That's major. That's that's great. I'm, I'm glad to see um, the connection right there. Um, I don't know if I don't know if enough people here in Columbus, Ohio, know about Christian Gray. I mean, I think because, you know, his approach is um, from a gospel standpoint, but his approach isn't preachy. Um, I don't know if, if we have fully grasped the, uh, the dopeness that he, he brings. I'm glad that, you know, that, you know, being on your project is expanding, you know, his awareness and then him having, him having you on his, it's just, it's good. It's, it's, I think it's a good look. Um, some here, but let's go to the MC. Let's go to the, the the hardcore lyrics. You have two. Well, you have three, and I and I and we are becoming. I think the majority of the quote unquote heads are really falling in love with West Side Gun, and he's great. But you have Jada Kiss and Black Thought back to back. Like you go back to you go head to head with two of. Um, this generation's icons when it comes to bars, and they and they're, they're, they contrast drastically how they approach it, but the love they have is is um, immeasurable. And how did you like, yo? I'm 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 about to go, I'm about to do this thing with Kiss, and I'm about to do this thing with Black Thought. What was your approach um, for each one? Days and the Funk Nasty Flex freestyles and all that. Like they 
they admired the life out of Big, and they didn't say, well, I can't get on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they went for it. So I think that's the, the competitive spirit and drive that those guys instilled in me, whether it's Jada, whether it's Black Dog, whether it's Nas. You know, back then, nobody was scared to get on records with people, no matter what. Some people, that didn't work out in their favor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some people got cleaned up on a record, and some people was able to stand tall and get busy. So with me, I'll be on a record with whoever. J M Nas, whoever, you know what I mean? Like, and, and nobody's going to say, oh, Sky got rocked, Sky got cleaned up. That, that's not going to be said, because I'm not going to let that be said. I'm going to do whatever it takes and push the limits of myself to where that can never be said. You know, and that's just the competitive nature of me, even though I'm a huge fan of Jade. I, I hit Jade on his birthday, and we was going back and forth on the text for a while, and I was like, dude, like, no matter how much we kick it and, and you know, how much we bug out, yo, I'm still like, yo, this is Jada. Because to me, when I was 14, man, you couldn't tell me nothing about Jada. I, I thought, I've said it in freestyle, though Jada Kiss was Jesus, I just wanted to be the locks. And you couldn't tell me nothing about him. I thought he was Jesus walking on water. You know what I mean? Like, so knowing that and feeling that way, of course I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity to be on the record. And I'm going to get busy and show him what he did for me and how he inspired me. Same thing with Black Thought. You know what I mean? I, with that record, what money makes us happy, I wanted to have a third person on that record. And there's um, a bunch of different people who I reached out to, and I won't name names, but there's a bunch of different people who I reached out to to be on the record. And then I started speaking to people inside the circles, and they were like, yo, you know nobody's going to get on that record with you and thought, man. Like, that's, that's a, you know, that, that's a hate make for you. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's going to do that. Yourself and Black Thought on the same record. Heads ain't going to get on that. Like, that's too much. You know what I mean? Like, that. They're not going to be able to handle that, you know what I mean? And it wound up just being me and thought, you know what I mean? So, you know, um, but for me, I, I never, that was never my thinking, man. It was always, yo, whatever, let's get it. And I love thought. I think thought is flawless as an MC. And that's just going to make me want to get on the record even more with him. It ain't going to make me shy away. It's going to make me want to get on the record even faster with him. Just because he's flawless and he get busy. It's going to push my pen, you know what I mean? It's going to push my pen thousand percent. So that's what it all comes down to. The um, the album, and you know, crazy enough, it's been out a year. So, but it has life. Like you know, it, it doesn't feel like oh, this is old, and like it's still a record that you can go to. The album is still an album that you can still play. Um, are you planning on um, putting anything out? Because it's been a year. But are you planning on putting anything out in in yeah. this summertime? You know, get because I, I I really feel like you know as a DJ and just as a um, you know, I, I hate the word critic, but I like to I like to survey the, the scene and look like, oh wow, I think if there's a moment where, because people are, you know, to be truthful, people are honestly waiting for New York to make a push. And I, I feel like it's happening. I just don't think it's going to sound like um, '96. I just don't think so. I don't, and, and I'm I'm probably right. you know, and it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. But this is a moment where you have. Uh, you know, you have a record like Panda, and you have this push that uh, Griselda is making, and that's you know, even though that's coming from you know further up in in New York, the state, but it still has that that New York City vibe. So right now, I feel like it's a great moment for all, for all, even the even the negative attention that's happening with Troy Ave. Um, with you know that stuff right there, but it's like all eyes are on New York. How are you going to capitalize on this moment? Yeah. By doing, doing what I've always done, making the music that represents 
when I'm farming what I know. <laughs> I mean, like, for me, it's not about switching up the formula or style at all. For me, it's just, because for me, man, you know, I, I've always made this type of music. It's something that, you know, me and Tori talk about a lot. I'm sure you guys are familiar with Tori as well. Oh, um, clearly. I think recently, so yeah. Right. So, you know, me and Tori are super tight. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, we're, we're family outside of the music. You know, we met through the music, but we're family outside of the music. So we talk all the time. And, We've always talked about, you know, years ago, we was like, man, we've been making the kind of music that everybody may want to jump on the bandwagon for now as far as the city, as far as New York. You know, we, we've been on that. You know, it wasn't, you know, in 05 when everybody was making a certain type of record, you know, following the Blue John formula or whatever. We wasn't doing that. You know what I mean? And, and you know, 09, when Heisey was a big, even Heisey is super dope. You know, shout out to the Bay. Heisey is super dope. But, I've never made a hiking record in my life. I wouldn't, you know, that, that's that's not my lane. You know, I leave that to the people who make that, who, who who have that lane and created that lane. You know, so for me, I've been making music that represents New York. So I'm just gonna keep doing what I do because I feel like the people. My thing is always about people and fans, and you know, for them, as long as they're good, I'm good. As long as my core fan base is good. I'm good. And when we make new fans and, and, and grow brand and fan base along the way, that's amazing. We all want that. There's no way you cannot want that. But for me, it's always just about making music that represents who I am, where I'm from. And if you hear my music, you get to know exactly what I'm about and exactly where I'm from. Because, you know, when I was 11 and I heard Dormy Style, I'd never been to L.A., but I knew exactly what L.A. was like because of Dormy Style, you know? I knew exactly what, you know... Houston was like from the ghetto boys as a little kid, you know, and my, my family who lived in the South knew exactly what New York was like from Illmatic, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So for me, I just make the music that represents who I am, what I'm about, where I'm from, and why it matters. And whatever happens after that, happens after that. Okay, okay. Um, this is DJ Sharp from the B-side. I got Sky Zoo on the jack right now. We're talking music, um, but I, I, it's the finals. And basketball, you know, you know, basketball and hip hop go together. Um, you keeping up on it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if anybody knows me, they know basketball is my second love. They know that's that's my heart and soul. So, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm all about that. And yeah, you know, I, I write for Slam Magazine on the side as well. The new Slam Magazine issue that came out with Ben Simmons on the cover. I wrote the uh, Amanda Moody feature piece in there. So, you know. Basketball is like my second life. Like it is something that I'm on every single day. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm balling it, you know. Um, I don't know, man. I, I mean, clearly Golden State is going to take it. My my thing is what's going to happen afterwards. I think that's what I'm more so focused on, you know. Uh, I'm, I know where this is going to go, man. It's looking like Cleveland doesn't stand a chance, which is really, really puzzling due to the fact that everyone's healthy, due to the fact that they almost went. 12 and 0 in the playoffs before me and Golden State. They almost pulled that off. They went 10 and 2, you know. So they, they was just running through these. You know, in the East is weak and we know what it is, but they was running through these. You know what I mean? But um, it's really puzzling that they just hit this roadblock, snapped that on. It's like they ran into the, they was driving 100 miles an hour and literally just slashed into this wall, bomb. You know, like, it's really puzzling if that happened. Yeah. Um... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. Uh, we we have another sports show. We have a sports show 
uh, called the We We Got Next Sports Show, and myself, CEO Reese, uh, Will Pounder, we do that, and we talk. We've been talking about um, the finals, of course, and myself. My expectation was Golden State in seven, and I, and you know they have both of them picked the Cavs, um, and you know it's a, it's a little Ohio love, but it's a little bit um, uh, just expecting Brian to be expecting LeBron James to be LeBron James. Plus, he has help because they went, you know, they went six without help. So right here, I still oh, yeah, think, yeah, yeah, I think Golden State's a better team overall. Um, so I expected to go seven. Right now, we have possible. You think it could be a sweep? Uh, they win tomorrow. It will be for sure. They win tomorrow. It'll be a sweep. Um, Cleveland's against the wall tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like they back against the wall tomorrow, boy. They they go to say when tomorrow it's over. You know, if they go seven, though, if this goes seven, Cleveland, I don't think Brown lets that happen. I don't think Brown gets to game seven, comes back down two zero. You know, game seven and loses. I don't think that happens. If they go seven, Cleveland get that because Brown's not gonna let that happen. He's gonna be like, you know what? I'm right here. All I got to do is run a little more, and I get to break this tape. Nah, let's run. You know, I, I don't think they let that happen. But I don't think it's gonna get to seven. Okay. I think at best it's gonna go five. It, it seems like they got their heart, and that's what it comes down to. But man, it seems like they got their heart. You know, it, it really seems like those they got their heart. And confidence is everything. If you got confidence, talented, you got a go team. But more than that, you got confidence, man. Listen, you feel me? And Golden State is the most confident team on the planet in any sport right now. They're just running through people, and they're having fun doing it, and they get along. And we all know Kevin Love and all of them, and they're working. Kevin Love is out. You know what I mean? Like we all know what's going to happen, and that's why I said I'm more interested in what's going to happen afterwards because I think we all see the writing on the wall. I'm interested in the month of July. <laughs> I'm like when July is, who's leaving, who's signing, where else? As far as Cleveland alone, you know what I mean? Like who's leaving Cleveland? Who's going to get traded? Who's going to walk out? Like I'm, I'm interested in that because I think we all know the writing on the wall. Sad to say. Well, let's let's look at this. Are you you're a Knicks fan, right? Hundred percent, sadly, hundred percent. Okay, um, Phil Jackson. Uh, J- let's 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 do this quickly. Phil Jackson, you ready for him to go? Oh, I've been ready. I was ready for him to go before he got here. Okay, the hiring of Jeff Hornacek, yay or nay? I'm with that. I was with that. Um, given what we had. You know, given um, given what we had on the table, you know, obviously we let uh, Thibodeau walk away, you know, which was still being stubborn still. Uh, but, you know, with what was left out there, I'm with that. I'm excited about that. I think he's going to push the pace. He's going to run. I'm excited about that. And who is your first option now? Is it still Carmelo? Or is uh, Porzingis, is that the new... Is that the new star oh, for the no, Knicks? No, it's definitely, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely still not 100%. Reason being is because, you know, as great as Porzingis is, he really isn't. It's as great as he can become. And that's what it is. Everyone is seeing the potential. Now, granted, he had a great rookie season, and I got nothing but love for him. But I think we have to slow down. You know, I think as, as sports fans, as New York sports fans, I think we're so hyped and so ready to go and so about now. We've been a microwave generation in New York. So microwave is this. The thought process of New Yorkers is get it now, win now, do it now. What are we waiting for? Let's hurry up and go. So you see Przingis get 
a lot more weight and gain a lot more muscle. His jumper isn't as great as they predicted it to be. But again, I'm a fan. I like him. I rock with him. So, you know, I think as a city fan, we were sold on, yo, he's got this jumper. He can hit threes all day. You know, he's 7'3". You know, we saw that jumper was a little shaky. You know, it wasn't what every time he threw it up. You know, it was a lot of straight on threes that he shouldn't have taken. So I don't think you can just throw him keys yet. But I think he's a fantastic third option. He's a good second option. He's a fantastic third option. He can't be your second option yet because he's too young, he's too inexperienced, and he's still got to flesh out parts of the game. Will he be the number one option in four or five years? Absolutely. 100% he'll be the New Jersey. And I don't have a problem with that. Should he be expected to be that guy at 20 years old? Never going to college. Nah, he shouldn't be that guy yet. He's the third option. I think you have Melo. Get somebody this summer who really makes a difference. It's not going to be KD or anybody like that because he's got to be realistic. It's not going to be, right? But you get somebody who is a third, I mean, is a second option and can even switch with Melo being the first and second option depending on how the night is going. And if you think it's just your third option and then you fill out the rest of the wing, you fill out defense, you fill out the bench for real, and I think you're cool. The problem is that's going to be difficult to do this summer. I think that's going to be easier to do next summer. But this summer, it's going to be difficult to do that. So we'll, we'll see how this pans out. Okay. All right. Um, I, I feel like we, we covered a lot. I feel like we covered a lot. I think um, the people that are going to listen to this gonna, are definitely going to know a lot more about you. Um, and if they have not they have not picked up uh, music for my friends, I think that is one of the albums um, right now. If you are a, a, a hip-hop lover a lover of bars, a lover of good beats. I, I want to commend you on the beats. I think that you you did a a good a great job of having dope head nod beats, but instrumentation. Now, that was the one thing that stood out the most for me with the production. There was a lot of um, instruments on there. Um, is there anything yeah. anything you want to tell the folks that um, are going to listen? Things that I'm working on that are uh, are on deck and are on the way. So, 
right, well, um, like I said, this is DJ L Sharp for the for the B side with Sky Zoo. Um, thank you again. And I, I feel like we need to talk again. I feel like there's another conversation because I didn't know that you had a jazz collection like that. Um, and we may need to have a, a, a part two to this where we just nerd out on breaks and records. Um, so thank you for your time. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. That's, that's, yeah, all I do is, is jazz vinyl, man. When I'm on tour, any city I go to, if I'm out of town, and whatever it is, I'm like, yeah, I got to find jazz, I find a record store. Let's go to a record store. You know what I mean? And I, it's just strictly vinyl, just jazz vinyl. So, yeah, yeah totally. I'm, I'm all about that. That's dope. We, we definitely will talk again, man. Thank you for your time. Uh, continue success. Keep giving us the, the great music that you did. I'm, you know, there's a lot of fans here. We we need to get you here. We need to get you in Columbus, Ohio, because there's a there's a fan base yeah, for yeah, you. The last time I was out there was, was a minute ago. I was on tour out there with Ghostface, but man, that was like 09. I was out there with Ghostface, you know what I mean? So let's get it, man. Totally. Totally. All right, totally. All right family. I'll talk to you soon, man. Be safe.